Hi, you're about to listen to an episode of Borough Talks, a podcast from Borough Market. A very, very warm welcome to you. We're going to be bringing you a series of conversations around food and food culture with some inspiring guests and leading voices from the food industry. I'm your host, Angela Clutton. I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode of Borough Talks. And if you do, you can subscribe for more from us. Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome to Borough Talks, which is Borough Markets podcast. I am Angela Clutton, your host. Um, apologies for sounding a little bit hoarse and husky today, uh, not feeling absolute top of the world, but uh, being distinctly cheered by the lady who I'm sitting opposite from, a huge friend of the market and a friend of mine too, Romy Gill. How are you doing, darling? I'm great. Thank you for doing this, Angela. <laughs> oh, no. no, not at all, not at all. Of all the things that I sort of might not have felt I was kind of quite up for, coming to talk to you is like going to be an absolute pleasure, however I felt. So I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yeah, me too, me too. We've been trying to do this for ages and oh, I'm glad this is happening. I know, busy and life <laughs> and everything else. Um, Romy Gill, chef, food writer, TV presenter, uh, TV chef, lots of radio work as well. We're going to get into the many, many layers of Romy Gill life and work um, in what I hope is going to be quite a kind of broad reaching chat about because you do so much, Romy. I don't know. I, I, I just didn't. I love being a chef. So first of all, for anybody who knows how much I love cooking, I love anything else love people to know me as a chef and then know the different layers of Romy Gill because food is something has always connected with me whether I was growing up in India or when I came here food really saved me in many things you know it's something that brings me joy brings me comfort and I love cooking and sharing with people my family my friends or customers only people who come to my supper club so anything like that I think food has always connected me and I love when people know that I'm a chef first and then other things, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, you've already touched on it, but let's let's go back. So you, you grew up in India. Yes. I grew up um, to a Punjabi family. So my mum and dad were from Punjab, for people who know it's up north. And uh, I was born in West Bengal in Burnpur, um, which is a completely different place from from up north. So my par- my dad came to work um, in on a steel plant when he was very young. And then he got married and my mom followed. So it's a, kind of a migrant who went from one part to another. Similar story like me. I'm an immigrant in this country and I came, you know, as a, a student and then followed other things. But um, my dad was... Like my dad, there were so many other people who came from different states of India. That's why when I talk about Indian food, I talk about food that I grew up eating because it wasn't just the Punjabi food that Mm. was cooked in my house. But I grew up eating food that came from different parts of India. So this understanding of Indian food is very, very important. We can say you are an Indian, but understanding different layers of Indian food is very, very important. And I'm still learning. This is how I love going back to India. I love traveling. And I I love going back to my roots. So I think uh, for me, growing up in West Bengal, uh, uh, you know, uh, with my friends who were from Kerala, from Gujarat, from Kashmir or Bengalis or Bihari. So we were so many different people, uh, you know, at home, they would cook different food. And But when we used to all come together and meet at different people's houses, friends' houses, we would eat each other's food uh, and understand that how food is so, um, not only as a friendship, a connector, but also so different from one another that how people in India, the spices are same, but how differently it's cooked in each region, in each state and um, in each household, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Were you cooking at a young age? 
Do you know what? When people ask me this question, I absolutely disliked cooking. I disliked helping my mum. Same I, for me. I didn't grow up cooking at all. Because I loved cricket. I oh. loved cricket. I loved playing cricket. I used to enjoy playing with my brother and his friends. Um, when my mum used to say, come and help, you know, I would have the biggest excuse and run away to play cricket. And I knew exactly when the food was ready and come to eat. I loved eating. Do you have siblings, Rumi? Yes, my, I have an elder sister, elder than me, and then my younger brother, so I'm the middle child. So I loved it. I loved uh, what my, when my food was ready. And I would even go to my neighbor's house and say, my mum hasn't fed me. And I would eat <laughs> that food too. Uh, so you can understand how I was uh, uh, loved food. But they all knew that that my mum has fed me. It's just that <laughs> so I want to funny. eat. You know, when you're a 10-year-old or 11-year-old, you... You just... must have going around going, God, poor Romy, not being fed at home. <laughs> I think people knew that. that. How my mum is, you know, is, is one of those people who I'm quite similar, like my mum and dad, that I open, you know, where we live as well now in in, in, in South Gloucestershire. Um, we have an open-door policy, so our neighbours are very, very good neighbours and we all kind of, you know, connect like that. So it's very similar to the way I grew up right. um, on a steel plant um, where people really didn't have that, you know, that you had to make an appointment to go to somebody's house. So it was very different yeah. um, to the, you know, and similar what I, I, I live in Thornbury now. Yeah. So you weren't into cooking as a child. So when did you start sort of dipping your fingers into So my mum, you know, my mum's life revolved around us. When was the breakfast or making tiffin boxes for school, like lunch, pack lunch or coming for snacks when we came from school and then the dinner. So it it was very much she enjoyed that part and it was very much um, about her and what she would eat and cook for us so when she had cancer I I was doing my I clearly remember still I was doing my GCSEs and she was diagnosed with cancer and she would put so much salt and spices and chilies in because she couldn't taste Mm. it and then I said to my dad and I said I would love to be in the hospitality industry it's called home it's called hotel management in India Mm. so I said I want to be a chef and I want to you know I could then completely change my Mm. whole thing of not cooking or helping mom then to want to do that for her is when I think I understood how food can help you in many ways is that was the point that I wanted and my dad was like no there are very handful of women chefs in India at that point you know years and years ago um, but I think when you have in you and you want to do something and you believe in you yourself than anybody believing in you I think that is when it was my turning point when I came here I think I always wanted to do that for my mum because a uh, you know a person who enjoys so much it's a love you know it's a love it's like a love affair with food mom had you know it's, it's, it's the best way to explain it um so she and you know a lady whose life revolved around that and suddenly everything changed was quite devastating so I think that's how I understood that how food is so important in our life yeah and so did you then train in hotel management? As well? No, my dad wouldn't let me. Oh, so really? I just okay. like, he said, you will come back home. In a way, he was right, because I knew there were so many of my friends who did hotel management, came back very immediately from universities and did something else. Um, but that when I came over here and then, you know, I said to my husband, I want to do this. And this is how it, and I think food 
when I came here, I left all my friends, you know, my family. And why? What, what was the push for you to come to the, to um, the UK? Gundi really? was here, so I just came here ah, as well. Okay. So I think... Um, love, love brought you here. Yeah, love brought me here. <laughs> <laughs> so I think love and you know, everything is so connected. It's like a circle, like it's a circle of life. Everything is so connected, interconnected to each other. So, um, yeah, it was... Um, you know, it just changed my life in a sense that I then thought, like my dad, how he left home when he was so young to work on this steel plant because he didn't want to do, do farming. He was a farmer's son. He didn't want to do farming and he left for home. And I came here, leaving all my friends, my family, the food I grew up eating. And how then old were you when you came here, Remy? Um, 22, nearly okay. 23. So quite my life here now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but also it's an age where there's a lot to get yet. You know, 20, 22 you're a fully firm, formed person, you know, you, you, you've grown up into full adulthood. And so then to, to come somewhere which is presumably so different, that must have been a real period of acclimatisation for you. It is because you have to make make friendships from from scratch, from the beginning. It's like you're starting all over again. Um, you know, no one's going to come to my door and knock. Hi, hello, this is me. I had to make that effort. I had to make new friendship. I had to learn different food eat different food, understand what different food is. And we didn't have supermarkets at that time, mm. you know. We had small local shops or, or farm shops where we used to go, like people would come and sell on the roads. And it was a completely different way of lifestyle, you know. And coming here, it's a culture shock because it's completely different. You haven't seen certain things. So I think you have to adapt to it. How quickly you can, it's all up to you. But I think I'm quite a... Um, person who likes to make new friendships I think I have always been very lucky not just I I think me and Gundeep have been very very lucky that we've had always had really good neighbors and really good friend circles I think that when you want you win the battle when you have all these things I think later everything else comes later I think you have the wonderful neighbors wonderful friends who will be there who are good friends will always be there for you no matter what even if you see them once a year they will always be there I think that what I started and that really helped yeah. So when you first in the UK, uh, was food immediate something you wanted to, to to build into your life here professionally? I think I was in, in a in a point where I was quite um, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word depressed. I was quite I think I was missing home. Mm. I was missing the family. And you have to understand that time long time ago you didn't have the technology that you have. Phoning India was quite expensive at that time, you know. You if you and if you phoned India, it was like you have that one minute and you can only yeah. speak for one yeah. minute. So you didn't have those gadgets. I think I was quite lonely for some time, but um, eventually, slowly, you know, I, I joined a running club. I, I, you know, library and many other things that I kind of do, did. And but I started dinner parties. You know, oh, that okay. was my thing of um, inviting people, cooking. I think that really. You know, then I moved on to different circle. People understood the food as well. And also, I used to say to Gandeep, let's go out in here, eat, understand what fish and chips is, a shepherd's pie is, a cottage pie is. And I was really lucky because when we were in Scotland, when we used to live in Scotland, we didn't have kids then. And my neighbors, Angus and Helen, sadly, they are no more. Uh, Helen taught me what's the difference between a shepherd's pie and a cottage pie because for me that was same, right? Um, she taught me I think how to, to a lot of people. It's the same. Uh, so for me, you know, coming from India, it didn't you know, I didn't know. To, I have to be very honest about it. Yeah. And also bubble and squeak. She made me 
she taught me how to make dumplings and and then hot pot everything that you know name it that years ago people would make at home yeah. that we don't really make that uh, or even fish pie she had a way of making fish pie you do it this way you don't do that way you make this sauce like that so I think Where that in Scotland were you, Remy? I lived in West Calder, which is in between um, uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh. Okay, so it's a small, tiny little village, which I couldn't understand. At the, yeah. you know, the highlight. Yeah. Um, I cried for some time, but oh, then you, it, I, I had. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's something. Neighbours have always played a huge part wherever we've lived in the UK. Have played such a huge part uh, in our life because I think if you have good neighbours, it's just. It's just I cannot explain to you how amazing it is yeah. to have that. Well, I noticed in, in your um, acknowledgements in your latest book, the, the final section of the acknowledgements, I think, is to your neighbours. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that again, it's just showing how important that is you know, to you and your life. And, and in a little while, we're going to get on to talking about your work in the pandemic. And I think I'm right in saying that your neighbours are very interconnected yes. with that as well. It is because I think um, everybody was hit with the pandemic. It wasn't just the older or younger group. I think everybody was. And I had two daughters who were doing A-levels and GCSEs. It was really hard for them. Everybody was studying or working from home, same like me. Uh, my neighbours, who are very old and elderly couple, all three in front of us. So my next door neighbour, Andy and Nat, we all helped them with shopping, looking after them, making sure they're OK. And because they're elderly, we made sure that they... You know, we they, we knew what's happening. If anything can ha- we can help them. We've made sure they didn't go out anywhere ex- except for exercise that we were all allowed. So I think also even we did barbecue, we did over the fence kind of thing. We yeah. were, we could chat with each other. I think that was the only way of doing it. And also I just kept myself so busy um, cooking one recipe a day for for my uh, social media followers so I used to give you know tips how you can make you can do this from whatever you have in your store covered ingredients so I did about 100 recipes for people free Uh, but at the same time that helped me you know of course I it's a selfish thing for me as well it kind of made me got up in the morning it's exciting um so i I can do this with this i can show share that with the people so it's i think it was not just me sharing it was also very very selfish that it helped me in many many ways but i was lucky in a way that i was not only doing that but i was also doing a lot of tv work at that time um but i could do that from many things from home but i think pandemic was I think at that point it taught you who your really friends are, mm. who your neighbours are. Mm. And we, I think, like you've said, they are so important part of my life. Of course, my family is very important, but at the same time, you know, since I've started, even when I had the restaurant, they've always played a huge part in my life. Yeah. So I think that's why we, we live there. We don't want to move yet and they won't let us move anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever lived in London, Remy? Uh, we yes, outside. Um, they lived in the Kings Langley. Okay. I don't think it's London, but it's near Watford. What my daughters were. I'm born curious as to what your neighbour experience would be living in London, because Londoners, I'm going to say we famously, are not really that close <laughs> with our neighbours. I think at uh, Watford, when I lived in Kings Langley, this is outside, I know. But I still have my NCT group friends. We still keep in touch. We have still got the WhatsApp group. Even if I don't 
reply to them. I know they are there or when I have time, I will reply to them. But my neighbor who was married sadly passed away. But I have such good friends still. I know it's outside, but it's yeah, still, yeah. I, I don't know. I maybe have a way of dealing with people. <laughs> I'm going to be inspired by you, Rumi. I'm going to make more of an effort with my neighbors, inspired by what this brings to your life. Um, let's go back um, because I, I sent us off track slightly time-wise. So... You're here, you're doing dinner parties, you're opening up your house, you're cooking. Let's continue on this, how that then turns... I suppose what I'm trying to get at is how do you go from there. that to being Romy Girl? I think also I started... Um, that was another thing. Then I started on doing sauces and chutneys and selling and farm... You know, you know when you have food oh, festivals okay. and stuff or street food. This is why I have... So so much time for street food people. Even when I do judging for BBC Food and Farming, I love the street food section is because I was there once right. upon a time. I've done that in the cold and the rain and the yeah. summer, whatever weather. Um, you know, I have so much love for, for street food. And it's not that I don't love the restaurants, but don't get me wrong. It's just the that's how I started, you know, selling. And selling is something it naturally either comes to you either you're shy it doesn't come to you so I think I had to do everything of that and Neve was so young when I was doing all those things when Neve was born my youngest um so I think that also gave me something like meeting people you know connecting with people in different way because you are there to sell your product you're selling a product people like to eat that mm. food they will come back to you or tell another person oh that's really good so I think that of People used to take home and they still love my lime pickle. And still people say, please make your lime pickle or mango chutney and apple chutney, things like that. I think that kind of led to opening my restaurant, which I always wanted to do a restaurant. Um, I think all these things taught me, you know, kind of understanding that I didn't go to a culinary institute. Uh, but also I wasn't scared of writing to people like I met um, David from Mana of Devon which is has a cookery school in Devon in, in Kingswear so I met him at a food festival and he said I would love you to come and teach uh, in which I'd never thought about that before but then I went to teach and um, my daughters went, my husband, we all went as a family and they were little. So I think that kind of gave me another prospect that you can actually do mm. another thing. And I never, ever say that I know everything about Indian food because I'm still learning about India. I'm still uh, every single day when I any time I go to India, I pick up something new. Mm. So I think I always say that in my class, you know, and then. I wrote to different cookery schools and some gave me opportunities, some did not even reply, some didn't give me, did, you know, didn't give me. But I think that's the part of learning process. It's just because one person is saying no doesn't mean the other person is not going to say yes. You have to keep on doing that. But then it's hard though, isn't it? It, it is. Oh, I have been in in my dark, I will come to that. I have been in my dark uh, corners crying and I've done all that. I think it's part of that journey. It happens to everybody. Um, and, and the rest it took such a long time to open because it was a great two-listed building. People who were plan planning officers were working part-time. In Bristol, yeah? In Thornbury, where in I Thornbury. live. It took nearly four years to get the planning. 
anybody in the right time, mind would have given that up. But I wanted to open that because my daughters were very little. I didn't want to go and open anywhere else. And I wanted to open myself. And at the same time, you have to understand, I'm a woman, firstly. I'm a woman of certain age. And third, I'm a woman of colour. So when I when I opened the restaurant, the banks weren't giving me loan. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, a lot of things were happening. I sold my jewellery, all my gold jewellery to invest in the in the restaurant because it, it's something I could do. But eventually the banks did give me loan. I think there are so many things that kind of I learned. But then there were chefs who were ready to help me as well because I used to go to different restaurants to learn how that could be done, you know, if I'm going to open my restaurant. But... Honestly, I have I have had a massive fair share of going into dark, you know, dark corners and crying because sometimes you think you're doing right and nothing's happening. Right. But I think we all have that journey. We all just because now you're seeing that Romeo's on TV, Romeo's on radio, writing books or in, you know, many other things of layers of Romy like you described. But it's... Um, it's, it's been hard. It's not been easy. But I think I... I I have learned something that I came in the, in this industry. Hospitality industry is the most kindest industry because you can start from the scratch as a pot washer and move up the ladder. But it's all about how you do it. And also, I know there are clique groups. I know there are people who love the face on the television that's going to be chosen or radio. But it's just you have to be an individual. You have to be different. And you have to have emotions. I think emotions are so important. Um, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm no way perfect. But I think um, there are times when you think, you are, you know, banging against the door and nothing is happening. It does happen, but it takes sometimes it takes longer time. And I came in the industry and they've, there have been people, 99% people have been welcoming and loved love what I do. But at the same time, I've always made sure, which you also know, that if somebody won't ask me today to help them, I will go out of my way mm. to help them because I'm in a position to help them. Mm. You know, there are certain people in the industry I know, they've reached the top and they don't want to help anybody and they've forgotten the people who really put them up there. Mm. I will never forget that because if you see my acknowledgement in my first book and the acknowledgements today or if I talk about someone, it's always there. For me, Mina Holland played a huge part in my writing. I would have never in a million years th- would ever think I would be able to write. Yeah. Because I'm dyslexic. You know, I never would have thought I would be able to write anything so Mina Holland 2014 I think it was 2014 gave me an opportunity to write in the Guardian as a cook residence there used to be a cook residency for four weeks so she said you can do it I think she made me a writer. She made me an author. And how can I forget that? Yeah. I cannot forget that. Then, you know, Sheila Dillon, Claire McGinn, Claire Salisbury, they're all from radio. They gave me the opportunity to present on radio. How I can't forget these people. They put me there. Then Atul Kocher gave me an opportunity to be on MasterChef, Celebrity MasterChef, Osiris Todiwala. You know, people in Bora Market, Kate, you, many people. You can't, Alan Jenkins, you know, and so many people. You can't forget them. You have to be, you know, somebody, some point of life has helped you in there. Deborah, you know, Robertson, who is amazing, amazing writer and author, and Rachel or Hugh from, you know, Hugh is fun. You know, they, are, they are my friends. They will always, I will always cherish them because sometimes 
We all go in dark places, but there are people who will come and help you in the industry. That's why I said that this industry is very welcoming. Mm. But how you make this industry on, you know, like I have such good solid friends like Ravinda Bhogal, um, Ravneet is lovely, and Sabrina Gidda. And I've met recently Anita Rani, who I've worked now on television a few times and be on Women's Hour. She's the most amazing person. You know what Ryland taught me one thing on television? When we met for Ready, Steady, Cook, always look after your runners. Yeah. If you look after your runners, you will go a long way. And do you, I cannot tell you how amazing Rylan is because he is such a big star now, but he's so down to earth and he was he's lovable. Um, so I think uh, we made really good friendships out of all the chefs we were on that. I think that you learn. Mm. Are you, I think you learn as you grow older how friendships yeah. you need to be yeah. in that hold. Yeah, and I completely agree with you, Romy, about the food industry in its many different aspects being very welcoming and embracing of people who wants to be welcomed and embraced I suppose you, you've got yeah. to have that kind of attitude of, want, of being quite open yourself yeah. um, and, but I came into food it was very much a second career was uncertain really about you know, would I find my place and I don't know, the vinegar cupboard came out and I was invited to go to Ludlow Food Festival yeah. I was terribly nervous and that's where I met you for the first time. We were staying in that gorgeous yeah. house, Dim and Wedge, remember? Yes. I was really... I've never done anything like that before. I know. And you were so welcoming and supportive. And you saying about never forgetting things. I will never forget that. You buoyed me up for doing that. I mean, I know you did. You I really, know. really did. I, I mean, I, we've connected through social media, right? And social media is such an amazing platform, um, which I think we connected. And when I saw you, I was so happy to see you there. But also, I, like you said, even, but I was in that position once upon a time. So I think somebody hold, did hold my yeah. hand and yeah, uplifted yeah. me. Yeah. I think we have to do that. Yeah. We cannot. I have come to a point that... If you're in a position, you're in a good position, you do need to help people. You need to encourage people. Yeah. I think it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Okay, so we, um, you mentioned Rylan. Yeah. So I think we have to then talk a little bit about the telly. Yeah. Like, so Ready, Steady, Cook. Yes. How, I mean, that's such a big show, you yeah. go back in the day. When you first approached to do that, that must have felt pretty amazing. It was. Do you know what I did? I, I have to tell this because when I came to this country, there were only four channels. Do you remember? Yeah. BBC One, two, you know, ITV and Channel Four. There was not even Channel Five. And um, the food programs were Two Fat Ladies, Ready, Study, Cook, Keith Floyd. Um, and then came Nigel and Jamie were later. So Ready, Study, Cook used to come, you know, like, I think it was half three, half four. Um, and I, like I said, I was so, you know, upset about not having the, you know, like what I grew up in India and coming here. And I, I kind of started watching TV and that's when I watched yeah. Ready, Study, Cook. Yeah. And I thought, how, wouldn't it be great to be either a red tomato <laughs> holding that or green Pepper holding it in the audience. And who would have thought after 10 years, I'm a talent on that show. It was a huge deal for me. And yeah. it's still a huge because it's completely changed my life. Yeah. Because being on Ready, Steady, Cook opened so many other opportunities right. for me. Um, and, uh, you know, they... 
I still can't believe that I just, they, they kind of researched for so many different chefs and they had me. So I'm, I must have had something they liked about me <laughs> to be part of the team. It was such an, you know, that year, 2019 was such a big year for me. Sadness and, and, and very amazing things happening. My first book ever to come out, then being on Ready, Steady, Cook to be announced that it's coming back. Um, I had a major car accident and my mom passed away. So I had yeah. good things and bad things. Yeah. 2019, I can never forget yeah, yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah. It always will be um, a, a year of ups and downs. So I think that um, was such an amazing year for me. Yeah. Um, Hotly followed, really, time-wise by the pandemic coming. Um, and we touched a little bit um, about your experience through uh, the pandemic. Um, but you were also doing, you, know, you talked about kind of cooking locally with neighbours and things, but you were also doing some charity. I did, I did. We raised... anyway, and I know you, you, before and since as yeah. well, but during that I, I, As you know, that we've always raised a lot of money, whether I had a restaurant before the restaurant, at the restaurant and after the restaurant. I've always been a champion of raising money. I've always learned that from my parents, that it's always very important to give. Uh, if you have something extra, you should give. So I think charity has, is, is, is something in me that always will stay. And that's also, we raised for different charities. We started with Ruth, who's, Ruth Wong, who's a dear friend who lives in Thornbury, um, and I said, I want to raise money. I want to start cooking. And how can we do this? So we used to choose different charities. We started with the NHS and then went under domestic violence, mental health. And then came, there was a Beirut disaster. So we were raising out street, uh, you know, like, look, um, what is called that charity called homeless charity. We raised so many different charities. We raised money for over £10,000. Um, but doing it every every other week, every yeah. month for a long time, yeah. Um I think you have to do it, something, if you if you are able to. Yeah. So Ruth used to set up and she knew who can come and pick up from my house and I used to do the cooking. So we did it together in a way and we used to do just charity and that in, the money went. So I think whether you're raising £200, whether you're raising thousands mm. of pounds, is the way you do it. And I didn't have to, I never shouted about uh, doing anything about it on social media. Mm. I did a little bit just when I was cooking because it was for me. Mm. I, w I wanted to do it because it helped me. It it made me cope during the uh, you know mm. pandemic because it was a stressful time for my daughters because they were doing A-levels and one was doing GCSEs and my husband working from home. And then I, all, all four of us, you know, it, so I, I would also, it was, it gave me happiness, but at the same time, I quite like the pandemic time. I shouldn't say no, it. No, I think, I think I it's, it, I think it. it's pretty, I think a lot of people would admit there are some positive things that came yeah. out or either of the experience or afterwards, yeah. whilst also acknowledging, obviously, it was a time of huge trauma yeah. and loss for so many people. But at the same time, I quite enjoyed being with my daughters, which I didn't do with the restaurant side of it when I had the restaurant. And then, how long it, did you have the restaurant for, Amy? Uh, so all together was ten years with wow. having the planning and having the restaurant it was ten, wow. ten years. Um, so Would you ever do it again? I will, I will. But I've taken a couple of few years back, set back. But restaurant is always. I want to do that. Right. I always want to come back to okay. restaurants. It's very important to me. I love it. I love the buzz of it. I love TV. Don't get me wrong. I love radio, I love writing. But I think restaurant is something I crave for. I yeah. think it's the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so your uh, most recent book on the Himalayan Trail, which has the most beautiful cover, I think, in, in cookbook 
legend is exquisite cover an exquisite book um and you wrote this towards the tail end of the pandemic during the pandemic during the lockdown and you were traveling as well talk to me about that so i think when i got the offer and um i for me i think the you know Himalayan Trail has always been very special. I wanted to write for a very, very long time. And then, you know, the pandemic happened. But I, um, when the gates were open, I would say the gates were open to each country where, they, where you can go following the protocols and visiting those places because you just couldn't go fly like that. Yeah. You know, you had to follow the protocols. You had to kind of connect with the home, home office and, you know, all those various things. But I was lucky in a sense that Porus, who did the photography for the travel photography, lives in India. So we could connect and we could go. But again, as a hospitality, I could connect with people like Pratik, who introduced me to certain people. There were so many people who introduced me to all these people who, who have written stories. It's their recipes, it's their stories. I've just, I know I'm able to share that. So I did that quite a few times before we were able to write it. I think sitting on, on, you can research about it, but to be able to write that kind of book, you need to be there. Yeah. You need to you need to meet these people. You need to cook with them. You need to sit how they do it, how it's done. You can change a little bit here and there for the Western world, but you cannot change the recipes because it's their recipes and how I come, you know, and make those recipes. And I got introduced to a different cuisine, which totally is so different. Uh, from Kashmir to Ladakh and meeting the people and, and learning so much from them was very important for me to share that kind of story at that time. It was hard, but How I think... How long were you out there for? I went, um, depending on the time I could go, I went three times, so okay. I could go. But at the same time, at the end um, of my last shoot, when the shoot happened, the um, India was having the Delta virus at that time. And I just came very quickly, but I still had to stay in the hotel for 10 days. I right. think on those 10 days, I wrote those essays. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, for anyone who hasn't yet discovered on the Himalayan Trail, it is a glorious recipe book. But it's so much more than that as well. It is interwoven through with these fabulous essays of your trips out there and about the people you met, the food you experienced with them, but also the kind of wider cultural heritage yeah. as well. It's so much more than just a recipe book. It is. It is. Those those essays in the book are written in 10 days. Really? In a hotel, <laughs> in, in quarantine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, it's absolutely. And it came out earlier this year, yes? It's April. Yeah, April. It came out in April. Wow. It's it's a big endeavour, isn't it, putting a book together? It is. I think uh, Hardy Grant, Kajal, who believed in the project, but the whole team of Kajal, I wouldn't have asked for a better publisher. I wouldn't have asked for a better publisher, director, whose Kajal is sadly at the moment on maternity leave, but hopefully she'll come back soon. A whole team, Emma, publicist, you know, the Laura, everyone on that team has been amazing. And I, I, I would never change my publishers because yeah. they understand what I want. They don't want another recipe book on the shelf. They understand what I am talking about when I talk about India. They are very, very, you know, hold my hand, but also let me do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I think that's how it works. So I think having a good publisher really helps. Yeah. How do you juggle it all, Romy? You're the mother of two girls. You've got the books, you've got the telly. You are, as you say, first and foremost, a chef that all the rest of the work is built around. How do you how do you juggle it all together? 
Angela, I've learned one thing. A, you have to have a good family who supports you, you know, whether you have kids or husband and friends, obviously, and neighbors, which comes later. Um, but I think Gundeep and the girls have played a huge, huge part in the, in this journey. I think if my husband and my daughters did not uh, understand the journey I wanted to do and take, whether it was a restaurant, whether it's TV or whether writing books, if they didn't, uh, if they weren't proud of me or they didn't uplift me, I wouldn't be able to do it. I yeah. think otherwise as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, you always have that at the back. I think without them, I've, I, will, I will be no one because I think if they didn't, they were angry with me, they didn't, weren't supportive, then I wouldn't be able to do that. I think that is the half of my battle is won because they really care and love what I do. Do you feel being the mother of two girls who are now young women has affected your approach to your work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the girls are so... I mean, when I had the restaurant, Angela, I didn't see my family for yeah. seven years. You know, I was like... They used, I used to kind of get up in the morning and and think about restaurant go. It was my husband and, you know, they all kind of worked around it but now they understand it and they they understand where the food comes from they understand how important food is um i think and also they are so i don't know very uh, aware of all the environment of the food of the in every little bit they are more understanding than i would be i think it all is to do with us you know as a family but at the same time um, you know, I I love my daughter who's in university, makes her own pasta sauce, makes her own stir fries. So this, of course, you can go and have ready meals. But when she makes all these things, then you think actually you've taught them something really well. And they are very good cooks, both of them. Right. That's interesting because sometimes it doesn't really work that way, does it? That they sort of you know, see some of them, mum or whoever in the family cooking so much, is sometimes you kind of move away from it as the next <laughs> I, generation. I know also this recently I did, I write, uh, I wrote about butter chicken in The oh, Guardian. Yeah. And I said, and The and the Guardian, um, um, Emma wanted my daughters to be on the shoot. And I said to my eldest, Will you please come down from the university? She said, Mummy, how much will you pay me? <laughs> You if, trained her well, darling. You trained her well. If you're getting paid, I should get paid Good to be her. in it. So I did pay her. She's really got the Romy spirit. Good on her. I like that very, very much. Do you think either one of them might make a career in food hospitality? I wanted them to, but I think they've seen how hard I've worked, you know. Um, and then also Sundays, like I, I, all I wanted was a cup of chai and cheese on toast on Sundays. And, and then... I'm one of those people, I just like, you know, would love to be involved, but at the same time, your energy levels are so down and then you have to get up and do things. But I think um, I really wanted one of them to be chefs, but they have chosen that, um, you know, any anywhere you do, whatever you do in your life, it's always hard work. But I think hospitality is one of the hardest, probably. I and, think. and harder now, do you think? I think to survive and restaurant and what's happening and, and, and it's so many things as I think and so not getting the chefs it's much you know any kind of staff not just chefs it's harder I think I for my friends who own the restaurants it's harder for staffing 
the prices are going up. So many things are happening. So it's not just one thing. It's lots of different things. But mm. at the same time, people do go out and eat. If you're going to, you know, we have such amazing restaurants in Bristol. We have wonderful restaurants like Freddy's. I love going there. Um, Little French is one of my favorites. Yeah. It's if people who want to go out, they do go out. But it's, I think the staffing is quite quite a problem. Yeah. I was just about to ask you, whose food do you enjoy eating? So we've we've covered. Uh, Little French, isn't it? Little, Little French, French in, Bristol. in Bristol. Where else? Where, where are your, where are your um, spots? Root, Root in Bristol. Boxy, very good couple. They're both really amazing. Um, there are ma- many places. I think yeah. my favourite has to be the... Um, uh, Wilson's are quite good, but uh, my favourite is is Freddie's Place, Little French. How absolutely lovely. Um, Romy, if you have some advice for someone out there who wants to, to make their way, make their way in anything, I suppose, maybe most personally make their way in food, I, I, I think this is going to be good. Give, give me some roomy wisdom. You, you know, both of us have chatted about the book publishing we've chatted it's not easy you know um for for those who know don't know and think i have book, i'm writing books after book it took 10 years 10 refusals of different publishers to get my first book deal amanda harris who um is one of the most amazing people uh, who was my literary, like I would explain, she was the publishing director of uh, Orion at that time. And she believed in that project after 10 years. And she gave me that op- opportunity to write that book. So Z- I think... Zaika, yes? It was Zaika, yes. And Zaika kind of opened doors to this book and then obviously and more books. But I, I just think that it took 10 years of, um, you know, because I also had the restaurant. So sometimes you have an idea you want to, and maybe that idea doesn't work, but you do go in a places where I've said I have cried and I have, you do go upset. You think, oh, that person is getting the opportunity. Why aren't you getting opportunity? Maybe that idea wasn't good enough for, for in the first place. But I just think that you have a good, if you write a good proposal, and um, don't be afraid of writing to people. I, I honestly am a big believer in two things. One is one person is going to say yes and one person is going to say no. There will always be someone who's got in the right mood, you've got, connected with that person, and that person it happened. And I also believe in karma. What goes around comes around. I am a believer in two of these things, and it has helped me so much more than anybody else would have helped me. I think if if a person like me didn't give up for my restaurant for four years and before I opened, and then 10 years of getting refusals after refusals, I still have those letters. Um, you know, lovely letters. We love it. Yeah, I love what yeah, you're yeah. doing. They're, but they're, they're almost worse, those ones, aren't they? I know. We really love it. It's like, well, just do oh, it then. Well, the first few were, you don't have enough. Um, you, you're not in Instagram. At, at that point, I wasn't on Instagram. You were not on Instagram. You don't have any social presence uh, on, on social media. Um, you don't have enough followers. One said, oh, you, um, because I did some TV and, oh, we need you to see more TV. And, you know, I, I cannot tell you the letters I have. I should, I should actually print them out yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know I think in, it's just also um, believing in yourself is really really important I think if I didn't believe if I didn't have a dream and I wouldn't say even a dream if I didn't believe in myself that I'm good at what I do this is why I didn't want you to talk about my life my anything what I did in India or, or my 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 past it is present that means to me because the food is something that if I give you something to eat that is soulful warm full of warmth and love that you will want to want to do something with me I think that is um 
that that has always been something i think you have to believe in yourself forget what people are saying honestly there are so many ways of publishing and but now i tell you people like kajal who's my publishing director has made a huge difference um who actually doesn't go after a big name who doesn't go after huge uh, social media person goes after the person who's who's got a good proposal mm. this big would do well she understand i think people like kajal are changing the faces of the publishing industry i think i have to tell that about her because i think she's so warm she's so welcoming you know there are uh, editors and publishing directors who say yes yes and then they completely change in 5 minutes the the whole team will change you know you know me we both know yeah, what's yeah, happened yeah, to yeah, us yeah. before so i think that you know i i i really think have a strong good proposal and the proposal that you believe in don't f- f- do 10 minutes or this minute you believe what you think is right your roots your uh, food your home cooking whatever it is that you believe in i think just go for that yeah wise wise words yeah um remy Well, it's been such an inspiring and generous conversation for a woman who is both of those things and so much more. Uh, it's always a joy to talk to you, but especially a joy today. You perked me right up. I feel <laughs> I feel so much better. Oh, so um, sorry to kind of, uh, you know, you had to come. And oh, no, my goodness, you couldn't. Um, absolutely lovely to talk with you, Romy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Angela, for having me. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back with more Borough Talks soon. A reminder that Borough Market is now open seven days a week. For those who can't make it down here, you can still enjoy the best of Borough at Borough Market online with nationwide delivery. You can head to our website for more information, subscribe to our newsletter. There are lots of recipes and features on the Borough Market traders.